Welcome to Experience This, where you'll find inspiring examples of customer experience, great stories of customer service, and tips on how to make your customers love you even more. Always upbeat and definitely entertaining, customer retention expert Joey Coleman and social media expert Dan Gingas serve as your hosts for a weekly dose of positive customer experience. So hold on to your headphones. It's time to experience this. Get ready for another episode of the Experience This Show. Join us as we discuss the power of admitting a mistake publicly, legal threats that make you laugh, and hedge fund managers with a heart? Salespeople, cease and desist, and principles. Oh my! There are so many great customer experience articles to read, but who has the time? We summarize them and offer clear takeaways you can implement starting tomorrow. Enjoy this segment of CX Press, where we read the articles so you don't need to. Dan, my friend, you better hold on to something. I'm about to talk about something from Twitter. Hashtag stunned. <laughs> I knew that that would get your attention. All right. So this article comes from CNBC and the title of the article by Catherine Clifford was billionaire Elon Musk responds to unhappy Tesla customer on a Friday night teaching a brilliant lesson in customer service. So here's the scene. It's a Friday night. It's 738 p.m. And Bobby Gupta at Bobby underscore Gupta on Twitter, for those of you paying attention, tweeted at Elon Musk to note, quote, had a terrible experience with very pushy sales guy from Tesla Stanford shop while shopping for Model X. Say it ain't so, Elon. Yeah, not good. Not good. But here's where it turns fantastic. 38 minutes later, 38 minutes Elon Musk, the man himself, replies to the tweet and says, quote, deaf, not okay, as in definitely not okay. Just sent a reminder to Tesla stores that we just want people to look forward to their next visit. That's what really matters. All right. So that's incredible for many, many reasons. Let's start with the fact that Bobby Gupta got a response in 38 minutes, which is not a bad time. Very good time, actually. L Incredible time. And from him, like this isn't from Tesla general, right? Like the people that monitor the Tesla social media tags. This is from Elon yeah, himself. I thought that was pretty damn That's impressive. kind of where I was going. Um, but thanks for stealing my thunder. I just wanted to reiterate yeah, what you said. That. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I mean, the fact that the guy himself, or maybe one of his handlers, but you know, it seems like the guy himself is responding to customers. We've said before, we'll say again, that customer experience starts at the top. And if you have an owner that believes in treating customers well, like this guy clearly does, this is a great way for him to show that publicly. And I absolutely love it. There are some other CEOs on Twitter who are very good at this as well, but the number is pretty small. And a guy of this guy's stature and, um, you know, public nature and stuff for him to be talking to whoever the heck Bobby Gupta is, but clearly is a Tesla prospective customer or actual customer. It's really amazing. I agree. I mean, 38 minutes. I think Elon is now running 38 companies or something like that. So the fact that he responds to this, wonderful. I also loved, and, and we don't know this for sure, but if we just take the tweet at face value, he, 
his challenge was a pushy sales guy while shopping. It almost implies that this guy isn't actually a customer. He's a prospect. So the fact that Elon would go out of his way to reach a prospect, uh, to me says even more about how he believes what we've talked about before, that idea that, you know, your marketing is where the customer experience actually starts. So Elon being irritated that, you know, this guy was the sales guy was being pushy goes to show that he's like, no, no, the, the customer experience is the entire process, not just the sale. Absolutely. And he knows that he could lose a sale off of this guy. And when you lose a sale of a Tesla, that's not like losing a sale of like a pack of gum. I mean, this is a lot of money here. And so the, the, the idea that somebody wanted to buy a car and walked away disappointed is something that Elon Musk should care about. And, you know, I've said many, many times that Companies should not be afraid of complaints because the people that come online to complain do so because they care about your brand and they want you to make it right. The ones that don't care about your brand or don't want you to make it right have already gone on to your competitor. And so I think Bobby Gupta is going to still end up with a Tesla because that's a car that he wants, which is why he's disappointed and why he's sharing that publicly. Absolutely. I think so many brands worry about what happens when things go wrong. And yet all of the research shows that if you have a situation where it goes wrong and you fix it, the relationship is stronger than if it had gone right the entire time. Right. This is this principle of it's if it's broken and you fix it, it's stronger than it was if it never broke in the first place. The other thing I really liked about this is and again, I'm just going at face value of the language in Elon's response is when he says, we just want people to look forward to their next visit. To me, that implies that he's all about the long game and talk about a single metric that you can give your, you know, customer facing sales team and your frontline support. And you just say, look, all you have to do is make sure they have such a good time that they want to have another time with us. That's it. Like, we don't care if you sell to them. We don't care the dollar amount of the sale. It's really just about the feeling that they have when they leave doing having an interaction with us. That feeling being that they want to come back again and they're actually looking forward to Totally it. agree. And I think in this case, the customer may not have been feeling that way, but I'll bet you anything that he was feeling that way after he got a personalized tweet from Elon Musk. Absolutely. Not to mention all of the publicity. I mean, we this article came from CNBC, but this article was all over the internet of people saying, holy cow, look at Elon Musk. And Bobby Gupta was getting a lot of nice shout outs all over social media and the internet as well. So good on you, Bobby. All right. Let's do some takeaways, Joey. All right. So I think, and I know this is a big one of yours, Dan. Number one, speed of response matters. When a customer is unhappy, your goal should be to get to them as quickly as possible. Now, one thing you can even do is, and, and there's almost an implication that this happened, you can try to fix the thing and then respond to them if it's going to be fast enough. So like in 38 minutes, Elon knew that that's fast. The fact that he sends a reminder to the Tesla stores to kind of clean up their act a little bit makes Bobby feel good. It's a fast response and it shows proactive work to make the situation better so people don't have that experience in the future. 
absolutely loved that. I think the second thing is that every customer matters. You know, Elon is selling cars all over the planet. And the fact that he would take the time to respond to a single customer, or in this case, a single prospect, shows a level of commitment at the individual customer level that, boy, you can't buy that kind of publicity, right? It's incredible. And I, and I think it not only speaks to the overall brand spirit, but it sends a clear message. And we've talked about this before, the importance of, you know, great customer experience leadership really needs to happen at the top of the organization. The fact that he is personally tweeting out and saying, hey, this is what we believe. This is what we were going to do. Another great point. I think third and finally, what really matters is that people look forward to their next chance to do business with you. And Musk said that himself. I mean, you you really want to set this emotional context where they've had so much fun and they've enjoyed it that they're waiting for the next time. That's how you get customers to keep coming back to you again and again without needing to spend a boatload of time, effort, and money on marketing. Because if they had fun and they felt like they were treated well and it was a positive and, dare I say, remarkable experience, then they're going to be eager to repeat that in the future. And I'm going to add one more takeaway, Joey, and that is if Elon Musk can reply to customers on Twitter, so can you. It's shocking how often people use 38 words to describe something when two would do the trick. We're looking at you, lawyers and accountants. Words matter, and there is no excuse for trying to hide what you mean. We explore words and messaging in this next iteration of Say What? So, Dan, I have a question for you. Have you ever watched the Netflix show Stranger Things? Unfortunately, I have not. But as an avid Entertainment Weekly reader since it began publishing 20 years ago, I've definitely read a lot about it. I always get so much insight into you when we have these conversations. Well, I've watched a few episodes of Stranger Things and to be candid, thought it was a little too on the stranger side for me. But I may give it another look after a story that I saw by Mina Bloom on the DNA Info website. So here's the scoop. There's a pop-up bar that opened in the Logan Square neighborhood of Chicago, just not far from you, actually, and it quickly became one of the hottest bars in Chicago. The entire bar is themed after the show Stranger Things. It's called The Upside Down, and that name actually references this kind of spooky alternate reality that is a key element of the show. You can get show-related things like Serp-flavored Eleven's Egos, which, to be candid, I don't entirely know what it means, but it's something from the show. Uh, and you can also hang out in a space that's decorated to look like the rooms in the show. Well, it kind of sounds cool. I mean, it sounds like it's some super fans maybe that have put this together, and that's probably who they're looking for is other super fans to come enjoy something that feels like one of their favorite shows. Absolutely. So it's a popular show. There's, you know, the the two folks that put together the pop-up bar are super fans, help to attach, you know, and kind of attract more super fans to their pub, as well as, you know, people who might come and become interested in the show because they were there. But here's where things start to get a little interesting. And this is why I wanted to talk about it on this segment of Say What? So, Dan, um, are you familiar with the concept of a cease and desist letter? 
Well, you know, Joey, I'm not a recovering attorney like you are. (laughs) As a matter of fact, I know a little thing about ceasing and desisting. And I would say that, um, you know, it's a document that uh, is usually written by a lawyer that is sent to somebody that says basically, stop doing this because you are violating something, either my intellectual property or my copyright or whatever it is. And uh, it's, it's used because you have to basically put in writing to somebody to say you need to stop this so that if they continue to not stop it, you can bring them to court and you can show that you gave a best effort to get them to stop. Are you sure you didn't go to law school? Wanted to. <laughs> Wow, buddy, that was a really good answer for a non-lawyer. I love it and easily understood. You're exactly right. That's what a cease and desist letter is. And usually these things, and I've seen plenty of them. I've even written a couple. I've actually even sent some personally for some of my IP stuff. They're usually filled with incredibly boring legalese. And often they have this really threatening tone that it's kind of like either do this or else. And what it ends up doing is escalating the situation, right? It's it's just jumping in full bore right out of the blocks. That's why a letter from Netflix Senior Council of Content and Brand IP is so interesting. The Senior Council sent a letter to the owners of the pop-up bar. It was fun. It was playful. It was nerdy. And yet it got the job done. Can I go ahead and read you the article? It's not too long. Or read you the letter, rather. You can, as long as you also promise to put it in our show notes at www.experiencethisshow.com. I definitely will. So here's the letter on Netflix letterhead to the bar owners, Danny and Doug Marks. Danny and Doug My walkie-talkie is busted, so I had to write this note instead. I heard you launched a Stranger Things pop-up bar at your Logan Square location. Look, I don't want you to think I'm a total wastoid, and I love how much you guys love the show. Just wait until you see season two. But unless I'm living in the upside down, I don't think we did a deal with you for this pop-up. You're obviously creative types, so I'm sure you can appreciate that it's important to us to have a say in how our fans encounter the worlds we build. We're not going to go full Dr. Brenner on you, but we ask that you please, number one, not extend the pop-up beyond the six-week run that is scheduled to end in September, and two, reach out to us for permission if you plan to do something like this again. Let me know as soon as possible that you agree to these requests. We love our fans more than anything, but you should know that the Demogorgon is not always as forgiving, so please don't make us call your mom. Thanks. Okay, that was awesome, first of all. <laughs> I mean, is that great? Uh, I mean, I didn't understand it all because I don't watch the show, but I, I, I definitely get the gist. And, and it... Well, that's the thing. I don't understand it. Like, but you, you get that there are like all of these insider baseball references. Totally, totally. And the other thing that, I, that actually I noticed in part because I, I didn't get all the references to the show is that it's written in plain English. There's not a single legal word in this letter. Absolutely. Despite the fact that at the recovering attorney in me notices, they did the clear elements of a cease and desist letter, which is you must let them know what they've done is wrong. You must let them know that it is a violation of your IP rights in this case or intellectual property rights. You have to tell them what you want them to do. And you have to say like, hey, you have to acknowledge this or else we have to escalate things. And they did all four of those things, 
but in a really fun way and not in a way that would lead to, you know, any type of a legal scuffle. If anything, I'm imagining that if I'm Danny and Doug, the two guys that started this pop up, I read this. Number one, I laugh. And number two, I go, you know what? That's all right. And the, the thing I really loved about it is it doesn't say stop right now. It says, okay, you can run this out till the end of September, which is when the pop-up bar was supposed to close. For context, the date on this letter is August 23rd. So they basically said, hey, don't do this anymore, but we're not going to shut your bar down a month early, which I'm sure Danny and Doug appreciated because that's a lot of revenue that you're missing out on. For sure. And I mean, again, not to beat a dead horse on the language, but they don't use the word cease or desist. The, no, and, not you at know, all. They use words like please. We ask you to please not extend the pop-up. Um, they ask us, they, they use words like reaching out to us for permission. This is common language, and so it's completely understandable. I'll go one more. I'll bet Danny and Doug have printed this out and have posted it in the bar because they think it's so awesome that they got a letter from Netflix. Absolutely. And Dan, while I have not been to the bar, I think there's probably a high likelihood of that. Not the smallest reason why is no one in the public would know about this letter if they didn't share it. And when in the article where I learned about this, they actually talked to Mina and were like, you know, we, we appreciated it. We thought it was funny and, you know, we're big fans of the show. And I mean, they didn't apologize because I'm sure they had been briefed by their lawyers, but it was kind of like, hey, we really appreciated that they were cool about this and we'll be cool and we won't do it again. And I agree with you. It's just I, this is something that I didn't understand when I was practicing law. Just just be a good human being, right? Just do the right thing. Like this, this, this person's a senior counsel at Netflix. This is not a low level gig, right? This is probably one of the more senior lawyers, if not the most senior lawyer at the organization and decided to have fun with a little pop-up bar, which in many ways, most people would see as the little guy. And Netflix decided, you know what, we're going to have fun with this and not be a bunch of jerks. And as a result, I would be willing to bet they got a lot of great publicity and press about it. But they this. also accomplished what they set out to do, right? So if you think about what was the point of the cease and desist letter in the first place, they needed this bar to stop violating their intellectual property, and they got that. And so they were able to achieve that with this kind of a letter instead of with the boring old legalese. Absolutely. So let's do some quick takeaways. Number one, just because it needs to serve a legal purpose doesn't mean it needs to be boring or pick a fight. Like just because you're a lawyer and it's a legal document, you don't have to be a jerk. Be a decent human being. And nine times out of 10, people will respond to your decency by being decent themselves. Absolutely. And people will generally do the right thing if you give them a chance, right? I don't think these guys purposely violated this intellectual property, nor did they do so with any malintent, right? Because they're super fans. So they were, you know, they were doing this because they loved it. And but but the way that the lawyer approached it he asked them to do the right thing, and he did it in a nice way, and so they were happy to do it. Absolutely. And our third and final takeaway, go ahead and have fun with your required communications. You know, we talk about uh, this on the show all the time that 
making the required remarkable is something that you should be striving to do at every opportunity. And this cease and desist letter from Netflix is a perfect example of that. When you do make the required remarkable, people take notice and they write about it and it leads to more positive PR. And I guarantee that this exchange between Netflix and the owners of this pop-up bar is going to lead to more people tuning in to watch the show when season two comes out. I, I absolutely guarantee that that's going to happen because they did the right thing. Stranger things, indeed. Stranger things have happened. We spend hours and hours nose deep in books. We believe that everything you read influences the experiences you create. So we're happy to answer our favorite question. What are you reading? All right, my man, Joey, I know you've been running around like crazy because just getting you to record a podcast can be a little bit difficult. You've been traveling, <laughs> writing a book, speaking all over the place. But have you had any chance to sit down and actually read a good book? I, I actually have. One of the things that I try to do is, despite the fact that my schedule can get a little crazy, I try to make sure I read every single day. And I just, I'm about halfway through a great new book by Ray Dalio called Principles. Have you heard of Ray Dalio, Dan? Well, yes, in fact, he is the CEO of, I believe, the largest hedge fund in the world. Yes, my friend, you are correct. Uh, the hedge fund is Bridgewater Associates. And over the last 40 years, Ray grew it to be both the largest and best performing hedge fund in the world. For context, they manage about $150 billion in global investments and have made their clients money in 23 of the last 26 years. If you think back across the last 26 years of the market, to be Winning 23 out of 26 is incredible. And what I love about this book is it's Delio's first book, and he kind of sees it as the culmination of his learnings. And he describes this in an observation that there are only two things you need to do in order to be successful. And that is, first, to know what the best decisions are to be made, and second, to have the courage to make them. Well, I really like that. I mean... You know, sometimes, especially those of us that work at companies, you know, prioritization is one of the key channel challenges. And so this idea of you need to know what are the most important decisions to be made, I think, is huge. And the other thing that often happens at big companies is that nobody wants to make a decision or decisions take a really long time. And so this idea of have the courage, make the decision, deal with the consequences, move forward. I think that's exactly right. I totally agree. And the thing I'm loving about this book, first of all, it's filled with awesome stories. You know, if you're not a finance person, you're still going to enjoy this book. I am not a finance and numbers person, but Ray writes in such a compelling way and kind of tells you the narrative of, of his life and how he grew the company. But the thing that I think is really interesting is he outlines this series of principles that he not only has lived his own life by, but that he's instilled into his company and kind of made these the key foundational, uh, if you will, core values of his entire business. And it's interesting. In the book, he has this definition of principles. And he says, quote, principles are fundamental truths that serve as the foundations for behavior that gets you what that gets you what you want out of life. 
They can be applied again and again in similar situations to help you achieve your goals. And what I love about this is the the entire, and a bit of a spoiler alert for the book, but it's so well written. He basically says throughout your life, you're going to be faced with decisions. And what you should do is you should actually figure out how you make your decisions and then write those principles down, write the defining principles on paper physically. And because that's really rare. I mean, most people don't do that. And then after you write them down, share them with other people. And that that's really where this stuff starts to take off. Yeah, you know, there was this thing I did at work a few years ago, and I can't remember the name of it, but I'm sure a lot of people listening will remember this. And you you end up getting these four, like, rubber Legos that you put on your desk, and there's four different colors, and they mean different things. And the whole idea is that it communicates to somebody how you like to be spoken to. So some leaders, for example, I remember the red one is like, you know, be brief and then get out of my way. Like, you know, I don't want all the details. Just tell me what I have to know. Whereas the green one is like, you know, I really want to work with lots of people and collaborate and I want to talk about it and what have you. And the the reality is everybody's different. And so when you know how to communicate with somebody and you know how they want to be communicated with, you can be a lot more successful. And I think that's what um, Ray is saying here is that we all live by a set of principles. They're not always the same, but having some concept of the principles that your boss lives by or your coworker lives by or even your spouse lives by makes it easier for you to work with that person because you know the things that are important to them. Absolutely. And I think what Ray Dalio did within his uh, hedge fund is he, as the leader, kind of established these principles. But then to your point, um, they, they operate on a really uh, transparent basis where employees are constantly assessing their reactions to each other. And they have this really cool app that they talk about in the book where like, if you're in a meeting, everybody has an iPad. And if someone's talking in the meeting on your iPad, it's asking you to score how they're doing, what you think of what they're saying, how they're making you feel, etc. And then all this information is being crunched on the data end in the back. And when it comes time for your annual review or something like that, they're bringing up the feedback of every interaction you've had. And it sounds crazy, but it, it dives into this whole belief that he has that we need to have these core principles. And if everybody's operating from these fundamental truths, then it's a lot easier to be successful. And I think the kicker is 40 years later, his, you know, he's got the largest head fund hedge fund in the world, and they've been incredibly successful. So the fact that he's kind of, he's retired now and that he's sharing this these principles that served as the foundation of all the success he had, I think it's just incredible. I, I love it when amazing people write books that share all the wisdom they've gleaned, because there's no faster way for you to learn and to really uh, advance your own viewpoint of the world than by reading books that people who have been there, done that, got the t-shirt are kind enough to share. Totally agree. And that uh, ratings and review system sounds a little scary. I was imagining one of us like, you know, speaking in front of an audience and getting the minute by minute 
feedback. It actually reminded me a little bit of like Facebook Live. And I don't know if you spent any time on Facebook Live, but you can, when you watch the replay of a Facebook Live, you can see where people hit the thumbs up button or the hearts, you know, so you can actually, and, and they'll graph it out for you. So you can see like, well, at this point in the video is where you had everybody's attention and they loved it. And over here, you know, and people got a little bored and nobody was really doing anything. And I mean, it, it's amazing feedback if you're tough enough to take it as a speaker or a presenter or something like that. But I, I, it sounds pretty neat. Absolutely. And I think one of the things that he talks about in the book is speaking to that very point that people in the beginning are like, oh, I don't know if I want the feedback. But then his takeaway, and I'm paraphrasing here, is, you know, that's how we get better. We get better based on feedback. And if it's coming from a positive place of let me help you to understand how you can communicate better with me in the future, if your goal is to be able to effectively communicate and be persuasive and get people's buy-in to your ideas and the things you want to do – of course you should want to know what they're thinking and how they're thinking. So this book is chock full of great advice. Uh, for the takeaways, I would say there's a couple. Number one, at the very least, start writing down your principles, right? The fundamental truths that you know to be true um, in your personal life, in your professional life. Then number two, share these principles with your coworkers, your team members, your family members for the personal ones, uh, because by sharing them, they'll have better insight into who you are. And by default, they might do a similar exercise and come back to you. Uh, for more information, go grab a copy of Ray Dalio's new book, Principles. You will not be disappointed. And just to give you some feedback there, Joey, I think you did a 10 out of 10 on this segment. Thanks, buddy. I appreciate that. Listen in while we try to stump and surprise each other with a fantastic statistic from the worlds of customer experience and customer service. It's time to check out this number. Okay, Joey, this week's number is 35%. What do you think it means? I'm going to go with 35% represents the percentage of manganese in a handful of dry roasted peanuts. Yeah, mic drop. We're done here. <laughs> How did you guess? Shocking, right? Look at my skills. All right, so actually you weren't even close. Shoot. And okay. I have a feeling that the real answer is actually going to rile you up a little bit, Joey. I have been known to be passionate about things. All right, so 35%, it refers to the number of small business owners who are concerned about this question. Should we be proactively reaching out and nurturing our customer relationships. Now, this stat comes to us from our sponsors, Oracle CX Cloud. Thank you, guys. Woohoo! And their new report, Sleepless Over Customer Experience, Small Business Leaders' Top Sales and Service Concerns, and How to Fix Them. Okay, I'm borderline speechless. 35% of small business owners are wondering if they should do that. You're killing me, Smalls. It should be 0%. What it should be is that 100% are proactively reaching out to nurture their customer relationships. What else are you doing? You bet this riles me up, Dan. Oh, my gosh. If you are a business owner, I don't care if you're a small business owner, a medium-sized business owner, or a large business owner, the number one thing on your agenda every single morning should be 
How are we going to nurture the relationships with the customers we already have? How are we going to reach out to them? How are we going to take care of them? How are we going to make their lives easier? How are we going to make their lives better? How are we going to make sure that our employees know how to make their lives easier and better? This should be the only thing that you're worrying about, or at the very least, the primary directive for every single day. Come on, people. We can do better. Riled up Joey, ladies and gentlemen. There he is. Oh, man. Anyway, to find out more, uh, go to oracle.com slash ink report. That's slash I-N-C report. Enter your email address, and you can get the full report, Sleepless Over Customer Experience. And thank you again to Oracle CX Cloud for sponsoring the Experience This Show. I may be riled up, but Oracle, we love you for sponsoring us. Thanks so much. Thanks for joining us for another episode of Experience This. We know there are tons of podcasts to listen to, magazines and books to read, reality TV to watch. We don't take for granted that you've decided to spend some quality time listening to the two of us. We hope you enjoyed our discussions, and if you do, we'd love to hear about it. Come on over to experiencethisshow.com and let us know what segments you enjoyed, what new segments you'd like to hear. This show is all about experience, and we want you to be part of the Experience This Show. Thanks again for your time, and we'll see you next week for more Experience This.